Welcome to Engage Boise. We hope that you enjoy this live recording of our Sunday service. Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Similar to how Mother's Day still had meaning to the men here that day. I believe Father's Day still has meaning to the women here. So if you're a woman, you don't get to tune out. Every man has a mother or a woman in their lives, right? And every woman has a man or a father in their lives. And I said this last year. I'll say it, as fa- as, say it about fathers as long as I have a chance to say it. I'll just kind of get into it earlier. The world's picture of a dad is that he's this bumbling guy focused only on his own needs, selfish, grumpy about everything, you know, get off my lawn, right? And we do all have those tendencies. So we can all be get off my lawn guy a little bit. Mm. But what I see actually all around me are are dads and men, and what they're doing is they're doing their best they can in a world that goes sideways a lot of times. We have a ton of men, a ton of dads all around us who they do uh, superhero stunts every day, and nobody ever sees or knows about them, unless they happen to get caught on camera, like this video I have for you right here. We don't have to turn the lights on. It's just a short short little video here. This guy um, is a, a bit of a superhero once it comes up. Impressive thing here. Well, here it comes. He's taking a nap. He's just resting. His eyes are closed. And impressive save. I think it comes in slow mo one time, right? Yeah. Superhero reflexes by dad right there. <laughs> Pretty impressive. <laughs> I believe there's actually a lot more of that than the bad dads that you see out there. We just don't hear about the good stories. That one was caught on camera, but the majority of the awesome things that dads do were not caught on camera, not written down necessarily. Uh, I hope to not keep you for too long today, uh, and then send everybody off to enjoy their families. Uh, But I want you to know uh, that you're loved today, that we believe in you, God believes in you. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about being a father today. Um, And I want you to know we sure don't have the market cornered on parenting. I don't have the market cornered on being a good father uh, we have three kids, uh, 26, 10, and 7. If you're newer, the 26-year-old was the one playing bass in the, uh, like, baggy. She says they're trendy pants. But anyway, in the trendy pants today, I don't know if she's in here. She's probably, she's out there talking to Zach, I see. But uh, we adopted her when she was uh, 13, 14, and um, 26, 10, and 7. Um, and I struggle as a dad uh, just like all of you guys each day. Uh, but I did grow up with a great dad who's here and a great granddad who's in heaven. And I learned from them that as a father, as a dad, as, as a man, I'm going to make mistakes, but the thing I'm never going to st- uh, stop doing is trying to do my best, right? It's not about whether you do or don't make a mistake. It's about are you going to get up and you try again. And what I'm talking about this morning is just what God has been speaking to me lately about being a dad, being a father in my heart this morning. Hopefully you hear this is to encourage you. There's plenty of people that will tell men, tell dads, uh, you're terrible, or you're doing a bad job. Um, and we want to do the opposite of that today. Does God convict of sin? Absolutely. Do we need to do better in areas? Yeah. But God believes in you. I want to talk to you this morning simply about uh, some things I see about the heart of a father. I believe it's really necessary to understand that not uh, every great dad looks the same. Um, I, this has really been driven home to me as my boys, like I said, 10 and 7, as they play sports and we go to their soccer games, their baseball games, those are the two they've done so far. Um, and these kids, man, they all love their dads. Dads love their kids, but it doesn't look the same as what I do exactly. Man, true colors in a dad come out when they see their kids succeed or fail 
or get knocked down, man, my true colors come out sometimes. When I think my kid's not getting his, his fair shake, right? You laugh, but it's true. It's true. <laughs> and the higher the level of sports, the more intense it gets. My son, John's in all-star baseball, and, man, there's some intense parents there. And I'm trying not to be one of them. <laughs> I'll just put it that way. <laughs> There's lots of ways to be a good dad, but the heart behind it is what is the most important thing. And before we get into it, if you are sitting here as a dad or grandfather or man, you're thinking, man, it's too late. I wish I would have heard this like five years ago. I already messed it up. I believe God wants you to know today that it's not too late. You can make a change at any point in your life. If you're sitting there thinking today, man, if you only knew the, the trauma, the hurt that's connected to my father. I believe God wants you to know that he sees what you've been through. I, I might not see it. I probably don't. Probably don't know it, but God sees it. And what you've been through, it's not his heart, and it's not good. It's not okay. Don't let anybody tell you it is. Because God the Father, the one that we serve, the one who has adopted us into his family, he's kind and he's patient. He's gracious and compassionate. Know that as we go forward. As we talk this morning about the heart of a father, I want to talk to you about this man named Joseph. But plot twist, not the Joseph we've been talking about the last several weeks, a different Joseph. <laughs> We're going to get back to that next week. Uh, this Joseph is the one that we see right at the beginning uh, of the New Testament. Joseph, the father of Jesus. There's lots of unusual situations that dads find themselves in. Man, there's family Dynamics that are unexpected. There's blended families and single dads. There's dads who are raising foster kids or adopted kids or grandparents raising grandchildren. Man, there's all kinds of things out there. And I wonder if for Joseph, uh, it wasn't a little bit like raising an adopted son. Maybe being the foster parent, except he's the foster parent of the son of God come to earth. A little pressure, right? <laughs> I've got a few things I believe we can learn from Joseph, the father of Jesus. But just imagine the scene for a moment. We talk about it every Christmas, so you know a lot of the details. As Christians, we, we know and believe the word of God. The word of God says that Jesus was born of a virgin to Joseph's wife, Mary. And I can imagine Joseph, right, standing by as the wise men come. Everybody is celebrating. The shepherds are coming, and they're saying, we saw angels in the sky, and they told us to come here. Announcing the coming of the Savior. And Joseph, because he's a good man, he rejoices that the Savior's come to the world. But maybe sometimes with his hands in his pockets, also wondering if there's people that are laughing behind his back. This is this guy. His wife says uh, uh, she didn't get pregnant by a man, says she's still a virgin. This guy. If you think there wasn't people saying that, you're incorrect. Of course there were. They were humans. And studying over the last several weeks, there are a few truths I believe we see in Joseph. As he raised the literal son of God come to earth. And these are truths that can inform how we live as fathers today. Number one is this. Joseph, the father of Jesus, he understood the assignment. If we're going to talk about what a dad is supposed to do, you can go Google it. You can come up with lots and lots of different answers. And most of those answers actually are good and helpful, even if they aren't the actual assignment. There's books and there's sermons and there's podcasts and who knows what else, right? People will tell you their opinion. And a lot of it is good. Now, one of the most common answers 
would be that a father should be a protector, right? Father should be a protector. That is true, something that any good dad should do, kind of like the guy who was taking his after-church nap and he rescued the kid from falling on its head, right? However, being a protector, it comes in different forms depending on the kid. You don't have to protect your kid just like I protect mine. I learned really quickly when Christina came to live with us that protecting her as a 13-year-old girl uh, was a huge part of the assignment. People, uh, they would ask me, like, wow, you jumped right into being the parent of a teenage girl, huh? Like, nod. And honestly, we did it because we felt like God was uh, directing us to, and it's as simple as that, and he was. But I often tell people I felt like I had two jobs when it came to Christina. She's heard this before, by the way, so this is not a surprise to her. My two jobs were this. One, be as annoying as possible to guys that were bad news. Basically, <laughs> basically that meant all of them at that age. <laughs> yeah. I had been a youth pastor for six years right before that, so these guys, you know, they kind of, they failed before they started. Um, so that was one of my jobs. The other job was just treat her better than any teenage boy ever could, right? I had resources they didn't have. I had a car, you know, because they were 13 and 14. So my hope was to make it so hard on guys with bad intentions that it just was not worth the effort, that they would just give up, go somewhere else. And it was not foolproof, but it did help. Honestly, my hope was to be emotionally present for her enough uh, that she didn't have to go find it somewhere else until she was ready for that, all right? And here she is. She's beautiful, plain based today. Brought me, gave, she gave me my Father's Day present last night because she couldn't stand to wait till today. She's a good kid. Brought me Dutch Bros today. Thank you, sweetheart. Man, we went to every concert, every movie we could think of. If she's like, I want to see a movie, like we made plans to go see it. Right, wanted to be as available for her as I could. With John and Luke, of course, I do some protecting. You see them running around. John's the kid in the South Boise Little League shirt with the messy hair today. They—they're both their hairs need cut actually. Uh, and there's parts of this world that I shield them from as best I can until their heart and mind are strong enough to process what they might encounter. Absolutely, that's a part of it. And I also have to teach my sons, though. I have to teach them to be a protector themselves. One of the ways, I don't, I don't know where I came up with this, but, you know, when they're having a tough day with each other, I, I say to them both, I look them in the eyes, I get down on their level, I say, hey, boys, what do we do for each other? And they say, we protect each other, right? We, we learn it when they're, we're seven and ten. What do I do with them is uh, something else that's a pretty common answer for what a father should do, and that is to be a provider, and how that looks in your family is up to you, right? Every father, if they can, should be a provider. Whether a dad is the sole provider or whether both spouses work. The point is that you are to be a good steward of what you have. If you're a father, if you're raising kids, be a good steward of what you have. So you can make sure that your family has what they need. And, you know, we could stand here all day. We could talk about different aspects of being a dad. A lot of those are found in the Bible. But I believe those aspects, being a provider, a protector, all the other stuff you find if you Google it, those are only parts of the assignment. Because what God has placed in my heart and what I believe we see in the story of Joseph is that our assignment as a father is to help our kids become who and what God made them to be. That's the assignment. You see, for Joseph earthly father of Jesus, as he processed everything that was happening, right? The first Christmas, 
that we celebrate. The shepherds have come. The magi have come. They've made their way out. Joseph and Mary are cleaning up the wrapping paper from the presents, organizing the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. You know, I don't know how it looked, but Joseph, I'm sure, realized, okay, well, if this is the Son of God come to earth, these angels that spoke to me while I was sleeping, this is the Son of God come to earth, and it's my job to help this little baby become that. At this point, Joseph, he didn't know the whole plan. It's really better he didn't know the whole plan because he probably would not have signed off, right? If the angels had come and said, listen, the woman you're engaged to be married to, she's going to become pregnant, you know, by the Holy Spirit, and she's going to bear the Son of God. But here's the thing. At the end of his life, he's going to die a horrible death, you know, earlier than he should. People are going to falsely accuse him. It's going to be bad. He probably would not have signed off on that, right? But Joseph's assignment was to help Jesus live as a son of God on earth. That's it. And dads, future dads, grandfathers, our assignment is to help our kids, our grandkids, become who God made them to be. That's our assignment. Now, that sounds awesome, right? But how do we do it? Well, we have a few hints from the life of Joseph in the Gospels. One of those things that, Jesus, or that Joseph did is that Joseph taught Jesus what he knew. We know from Scripture that Joseph, uh, earthly father of Jesus, he was a carpenter. Look at this Scripture, Matthew uh, 13, 53 through 57. When Jesus had finished these parables, he moved on from there. Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary, and aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Uh, where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. Like this, this is the, the son of the carpenter, right? But we know also from Mark's retelling of the same incident, some people said some different things. We know that Jesus himself was a carpenter. Mark 6, 1 through 3. Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Many people believe that that Greek word, uh, tekton, that is translated as carpenter in both of those passages, it could more accurately be written as craftsman or builder. So it's possible that Joseph's skills went beyond building things with just wood. It's obvious that he was someone who knew how to build, uh, build all kinds of stuff, but also he probably could have built out of stone, which was really common in that time. If you think about him building buildings out of stone, kind of casts a different light on the language Jesus would use about tearing down the temple and building his church. But those people, they noticed that Joseph was a carpenter and Jesus was a carpenter. And consider Joseph's position, though, right? Joseph, the father of Jesus, having been told in Matthew 1 in a dream that his son that he would raise on earth, he would save the people from their sins. Right now, a lot of good dads know a lot of good dad things to do. But Joseph, if I'm in his shoes, I'm thinking, you know, I know how to do a lot of stuff. 
I do not know how to be the son of God and save people from their sins. Lord, that's the thing I do not know how to do. I know a lot of things, Lord, but not really that. So what then can he do? Well, Joseph actually has something that most others don't have. Don't know if it was an advantage or a disadvantage, but he knew what Jesus was meant to be, right? But he also knows he doesn't know how to teach that. So what can Joseph do? If he can't teach him how to be the son of God because he's not God himself, what can he do? Well, he teaches Jesus what he knows. Joseph was a carpenter. Jesus was a carpenter. So what Joseph probably did is take Jesus to the house that he's building. If he indeed worked with stone, right, he takes Jesus with him to the quarry where they break the stone. Prepare it for buildings. I'm really certain that in those days with his earthly father, Jesus learned principles that would serve him well as he prepared to carry out his purpose on the earth. So friends in this place, dads, grandfathers, when we teach our kids what we know, we give them what they need to live life successfully on this earth. Even if it doesn't become their occupation. My dad who's here today, he's a dentist, and he taught me so much of what he knows about life, but I can't tell you, I can't talk to you for more than like 60 seconds about teeth. <laughs> he would have been grateful if I went to that occupation, it's not what God called me to. But he taught me what he knew. Joseph taught Jesus what he knew. Uh, we also see from the New Testament, number two, Joseph raised his family with purpose and integrity. I believe we see the beginning of Matthew's gospel, a good picture of the type of man that Joseph, the father of Jesus, was. I think we talk about this fairly often in our lives, the kind of person that we are. It's revealed when things start to go sideways. Man, anyone can put on a nice, composed picture when everything is good and calm, peaceful, right? When you've got time to go wash the car, Mow the lawn, you can rest well at night because your heart is at peace with everything that's happening in your life. But when everything goes into turmoil, right, when you need, you haven't been able to touch that lawn for so long, you need a machete to cut that thing. Man, the car that's supposed to be white, it's gray or getting close to black because you haven't even thought about washing it. You don't rest because it doesn't come easily because your mind is racing. We've all been there before. And those times, that's when our true colors begin to show. We see a couple of things about what this man, Joseph, the father of Jesus, is made of uh, in Matthew 1 and 2. We're going to read together uh, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Uh, I'm reading to you the NIV today. It says this, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before They came together. She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. 
I believe we see really clearly here, friends, that Joseph, Joseph was a man of obedience and humility. Because see, being betrothed in Jewish culture, was, it was as legally binding as modern marriage. So once you became engaged, betrothed, you were married as far as the law went. But the physical union had not happened yet. Marriage had not been consummated. So Mary becomes pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit, as we just read. And she goes to have that conversation with her husband-to-be, Joseph. Can you imagine that one? Hey, Joseph, I have something to tell you. I'm pregnant, but it's not what you think. Joseph's a man. He's thinking, sure, it's not what I think. (laughs) Many people would be angry, and they would want vengeance. And Jewish law actually provided for that. Mary could have been stoned for becoming pregnant out of wedlock. But because Joseph was a man with a humble heart, we read what his reaction is. I don't know that he believed her necessarily at first, and I... I think by what we read there, he didn't, uh, but he also didn't want her to be killed. So he makes plans to end, end the engagement quietly and quickly. But then Joseph, he has a dream. It was with these guys named Joseph in their dreams, right? <laughs> and in this dream, an angel, as crazy as it sounds, an angel confirms exactly what Mary had said. So Joseph does what the angel says, what God commands, and he takes Mary as his wife. Man, what courage that would have taken. Because you know that many people, when they heard the story, they think you are the biggest fool in town. Yeah, right, an angel got her pregnant, or the Holy Spirit, whatever, Joseph. But Joseph, you see, Joseph is a man with an obedient heart. And that obedient heart, it leads him to another course of action that I believe shows his humility, at least to me it does. Joseph, he does not, we read the last verse we read there, Joseph does not consummate the marriage physically with Mary while she is still pregnant. And he does this to avoid all suspicion about where the baby Jesus may have come from. Sure, this was difficult because after all, right, who would have known if they had decided to sleep together? She was already pregnant. What God would have known. And Joseph's heart was too humble, too obedient before his God to put his own desires first. You see, Joseph's actions, they showed what he was made of when the road got rough. Let's read from Matthew uh, 2, just one chapter forward, 13 through 23, as we further see the purpose in Joseph's life. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys of Bethlehem and its vicinity, who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. 
Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he would be called Nazarene. He would be called Nazarene. This section shows us, I believe, something that's so necessary for us to know today, kind of touches on what we talked about before, and that is Joseph protected his family with purpose. There are times when, as a father, friends, no doubt about it, you have to be a protector and a provider. There's times when you know that you know that uh, your job is to protect your kids. It's happened to in my life over and over again. There's times when you must make a change in your life and you must make it decisively and you know that God is speaking. And here we see Joseph. He wakes up in the morning. He finds Mary and he says, Mary, pack up the baby. I had a dream last night. And she's like, oh, another one of your dreams. The first time, right, is to go to Egypt. And Mary is probably thinking, well, that seems a little counterintuitive, Joseph. But okay. Not long after, though, they're in Egypt. He wakes up again and he finds Mary. He's like, I had another dream. Back to Israel is where we're supposed to go. And she's, I'm sure, thinking as many of you wives and mothers would be. Again, you know we have to ride on a camel to get there, right? We've got the baby. This is actually not as easy as you think, Joseph. Are you sure it wasn't the dinner with the Egyptian neighbors we had that just making you feel weird that we need to go back? And on the way, he has another dream, so he changes his plan slightly. But the thing is, that plan takes his family to Nazareth. And we know it had been prophesied that the Savior would be called a Nazarene. But Joseph, he does all of this. He has a dream, and he wakes up and he follows them because he understands that part of his purpose is to protect his family. What I'm getting at with this uh, this morning, friends, as fathers and men in this place, is that God created you to lead your family. Don't doubt it for one second. God created you to lead your family. And when you commit your life to God, he will speak to you. And he will ask you to make decisive changes in your life and in the life of your family. I'll tell you, that's not always the most comfortable thing. When you commit your life to God, he will speak to you about how to lead your family. It doesn't mean that your wife has no say. It doesn't mean that you don't endeavor to try your best to make decisions together. But sometimes God does, just like he did Joseph. God does direct us to do something or go somewhere in the name of protecting our family. God does that. Now, I don't see here in the word of God that Joseph knew when he took the family to Egypt that the ultimate plan was for them to end up in Nazareth. He probably had a clue they wouldn't live in Egypt forever. He just knew what God was saying to do next, so he went ahead and he did it. It didn't really matter at this point to Joseph if it made sense to those around him or if it was difficult. In fact, uh, the people around him probably would not have thought that going to Egypt seemed particularly wise on the surface. But what mattered to Joseph, the father of Jesus, was being obedient to what God is saying. He was trusting that God is going to reveal to him the next step in due time. When it was time, he'd know what was next. Joseph's purpose, Joseph's integrity led him to the place where he would carry out the assignment that God had given him. And Joseph's assignment was to raise the Savior of the world on earth, to teach that boy what he knew. What else do we know? Well, we know at the conclusion of the account of Jesus in the temple, 
After Joseph and Mary, we've talked about this before, great story. After Joseph and Mary accidentally left without their 12-year-old for three days, they go back and they eventually find him in the temple. Luke 2.52 says, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. They go back and they find him, and then it says, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God and men. Friends, he doesn't grow in wisdom and stature in favor with God and men without an earthly father that's raising him the best way he knows how. We know, of course, that Jesus would accomplish his purpose. Jesus would live a life with no sin. He'd give that life on the cross as a ransom for many. But, man, the incredible thing, I did not realize this week until I was studying this. Uh, incredibly, you know, we don't see a single word recorded in the New Testament that Joseph spoke. He didn't, there's not a single word in there that he spoke. Now, Joseph, he could have been someone who talked often, who gave sage advice to his children, anyone else around. I'm sure he was a wise man. God would not have picked him if he wasn't. But that's not what's recorded here, right? What's recorded, and I believe what we need to see, is not anything Joseph said, but his obedience and his humility and his courage. I believe that obedience, humility, and courage, those three things were what helped Jesus to grow in wisdom and stature, like we see in Luke. You see, nothing Joseph said mattered as much as what he did every day. I think we can see from these chapters, Joseph, father of Jesus, he understood the assignment. And that assignment was to raise that boy so he'd accomplish that purpose no matter how it looked. You know, because uh, Joseph is not present in any of the crucifixion narratives at the end of Jesus' time on earth in any of the Gospels, the fact that Jesus tells Mary from the cross that the disciples are now her family, most people believe that Joseph had died by the time Jesus faced the cross. Can you imagine, though, the, the embrace between Jesus and Joseph when Jesus got to heaven? I don't know. The, hey, Dad, or hey, earthly Dad, I don't know. <laughs> can be sure that it happened, though. Imagine how much they shared. And imagine Joseph smiling down uh, on his son. As we close, uh, I want to encourage you dads today in this place. If you're like me and sometimes you feel like you're a little bit powerless, like in your heart you really want to prepare your kids for what lies ahead, um, but you can't possibly envision everything that they're going to face, all you see is how bad the world gets every day. I want you to, I believe God wants us to take heart today that we don't have to do that. We don't have to know how to protect them from it. We don't have to know every detail. The heart of a father is to know our assignment, and our assignment is just to help our kids become who God made them to be. That's the assignment. Now, all the other parts, protector, provider, all of that falls in there. But our assignment is to help our kids become, God who, become who God made them to be. By all means, protect and provide, but do it with God. And you know, as is often the case with things of God, if we knew all the hard things that our kids would face, it would probably scare us off. The way we do it, though, friends, the way we help them become who God made them to be is we teach them what we know. God has imparted many good gifts, much good wisdom in you. 
Our job is to teach them what we know. That includes men, dads, grandfathers. It includes what you do with your hands. But even more so, it includes what you do with your heart. It matters to teach your sons what you know every day, but it matters to teach them what you're doing with your heart. I just want to say this unequivocally to you guys. No matter what your occupation is, the absolute best thing you can do for your family is have a committed relationship with God. You can make $10 million a year, put money in college funds, give them every possible thing they could ever want. That will not be as effective as having a committed relationship with God. Not only that, but have the committed relationship with God and allow your kids to see it each day. You don't have to uh, go shout it from the rooftops. You don't have to go pound on your neighbor's door, but allow your kids to see your relationship with God. Allow the heart of God to take over our heart a little bit more each day. See, I know this, friends. This is what I learned from my dad and my granddad. Uh, The principles that guide your life, they're going to be the ones you pass down to your kids. So if your principles come from God's word, those are going to be the ones you pass down to your kids. And those principles are going to enable them to be exactly who it is that God made them to be. But I'm not going to lie to you. Man, it sometimes, all the time, it takes humility, obedience, and making difficult decisions. Like I said, I don't have the market cornered on this. But I believe the word of God says it takes humility, obedience, making difficult decisions, you know, laying down what you would like uh, for the sake of your family. I'll tell you what. Um, you know, 15 years ago, if you were to look at my car, uh, you would see some sort of sports or recreation stuff all the time. You'd see my golf clubs, my skis, my basketball, my basketball shoes. Now, very likely, you're likely to see car seats and snacks, kids' water bottles. They're things, rather things that are the most important, right? But even more importantly than that, uh, when it comes to passing down the principles God has given you, uh, sometimes, as a dad, you got to make the decision that certain entertainment, it no longer flies in your house. Might have been okay before, but it's, it's not going to fly now. Sometimes you have to make a decision as a dad that church is going to be a priority. Yeah, you don't have to walk into the church doors to know Jesus. We know that, but um, it's so important that our kids, uh, for them, it's more unusual uh, that we don't go to church than if we do. Sometimes it takes deciding that the world is not going to determine what's permissible for us, right? But instead, that God's word is going to determine what we do and what we don't do and where we go and where we don't go. Those decisions, I'm not saying they're easy. But that's what it looks like to pass down the principles of God to your kids. I don't know all the details of your life, but I do know that God can speak into it, however it looks. And for everybody in this place, but especially dads, grandfathers, anyone who's raising kids, having a family, you need to know this morning, God's heart towards you is kind. He's gracious. He's compassionate. He's slow to anger. He's rich in love. If you're here today, and like I referenced at the beginning, you feel like you've blown it, you've messed it up too many times, just know there's forgiveness and there's a new start uh, in God today. You need to pray, ask God to forgive you. I'd encourage you, come find me after service. Come find one of our staff. We love to pray with you to commit your life uh, to Jesus. Friends, our assignment is just to help our kids grow up into what God made them to be. Teach them what we know.
we can leave the other details to him. Um, would you bow your head? Let's, I want to pray over you really quickly before we do one more thing. Lord Jesus, thank you for your people. Thank you that you know us. Thank you for every parent in this place. You know us deeply and personally, and you know what we're facing. Uh, you know the, the best days with our kids, the worst days with our kids. You know um, the things that we struggle with and we fight. Lord, thank you that you know us. We're fearfully and wonderfully made, that you're not finished with us. And I pray that you would give uh, every dad in this place, every grandfather, uh, a heart that is humble towards you, a heart that is willing to just press into you and, and uh, raise their kids in, in the way that you've called them to do it. Lord, I pray that every dad, grandfather in this place would be a provider and a protector, but, Lord, they would understand their ultimate uh, assignment is to help their kids become who you made them to be. So, God, I pray for every family here that you would wrap your arms of protection around them, that as they go from this place and they go to lunch or uh, wherever they're going to go, Lord, that you would speak your life and your love into them. For, uh, for dads that need to hear just specific words from you, Lord, I pray you'd speak to them. In their hearts, through your word, to somebody else, Lord, I pray you'd speak. Pray that what you've spoken today would find deep places inside of our hearts. Lord, if there's dads in this place and they, they know uh, hearing uh, this today that they need to make a change in their life uh, and you're, you're calling them, you're speaking to them to do it, I pray that you would give them the courage to make it happen today. Lord, we love you. We place our hope and our trust in you. Praise things in your name. Amen. Hey, one more thing. Don't go quite yet. I have two things to tell you. One of those is that... Uh, as we are throwing the socks out, three of those have a gift card in them. So uh, you might want to go, uh, before you put them in your drawer, you might pop them out and see there's a gift card in there. Uh, so you can share the gift card with me if you'd like. You don't have to. Uh, one more thing. Hey, uh, Cedell and Lil, many of you know Cedell, just been pillar of our church for a long time. The Lord is moving them back to Albany, Oregon tomorrow, right? And uh, so today's their last Sunday with us. Cedell has been a huge blessing to this church. Lil's been a huge blessing to this church. And uh, we send them uh, with sadness because we don't want them to leave, but we also know they got to follow what God is asking them to do. So we're going to do this. Uh, would you all stand today? Those of you who know Cedell and Lil, would you just gather around them? Place your hands on them. We're going to pray over them uh, as we get ready to go today. The last thing we're going to do is pray over them. Send them uh, with God this morning. Uh, as they're part of our church family, let's pray this morning. Lord Jesus, I thank you for Cedell, such an incredible man of God, uh, a man who loves you and his, his heart is after you, Lord, just so friendly to myself and my family from the moment we walked in these doors. Just an encourager, loves your word and loves you. Thank you for his beautiful wife, Lil. Thank you that you've created them for each other. And uh, we're sad uh, to lose them, Lord, sad that they are moving away. But, Lord, we pray that you would go with them. Lord, we know that uh, they're hearing your voice clearly, uh, that you're going to take good care of them. So we just pray that as they go tomorrow that you would give them your traveling mercies. Lord, that you would uh, go ahead of them and that you would make straight every crooked path. Lord, that every single thing that could go sideways with their move, that you would correct it in your mighty name. Uh, you would keep them safe as they drive. You would prepare a church for them to be a part of when they get there. Would you let uh, the family they're going to join, would you uh, just let it be incredible. Lord, thank you for the mighty blessing they have been to us. And I just pray, Lord, that you would send them with your blessing today. 
We love them. Would you bring them to our mind often uh, to pray for them, Lord Jesus? Uh, would you go with C. Darrell and Lil? Thank you for their heart for you. Would you honor them today? We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen. The church gave them a card earlier, so make sure, shake their hand, give them a hug on the way out. Let them know you'll miss them. Hey, thanks for coming to church on Father's Day, and uh, we will see you Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. Don't forget to sign up to help that church in Hagerman if you'd like to. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more, you can visit us at engageboise.com. Have an amazing day.